the idea of spirituality comes through the alchemy of loving or caring for another human being. Um, oftentimes we see it as a significant partner or something like this, but actually a deep caring for another human being is also a kind of guru worship in a certain mild way, mm -hmm. you know, where you know you just feel you 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 are so caring about the other person that you're not worried about your personal pathology you're not trying to enhance your personal pathology And welcome to Curious Ones podcast by Andara. I'm Yael Ginsberg, the host of the podcast, a yoga and meditation teacher and philosophy lover. Each week you will hear eye-opening interviews with the different teachers of the Andara Yoga Institute located in beautiful Baja, Mexico, along with other teachers that pass through here. This life-changing knowledge shared through authentic, heartfelt communication will help you live a happier, more fulfilled, and connected life. Let's dive in. I'm honored to have our guest today, Craig Perkins, who is the co-founder of the Indara Yoga Institute. Craig is an experienced yoga teacher with over 15,000 hours of teaching under his belt. He attended his first yoga teacher training in 1968 and has been studying yoga and other disciplines ever since. He has studied many different styles of yoga and meditation, as well as being the author or co-author of the book, A Philosophy and Guide for the Intuitive Yoga Teacher, which I have here, which is a really beautiful book about um, being a yoga teacher from the place of intention and moving from the heart and <clears throat> from the energetics of yoga as a practice and being a teacher and guiding your students in that. So welcome to the podcast, Greg. Thank you for having me. Um, so I would like to start just with that, with what in your eyes, what is an intuitive yoga teacher? Well, I think we all have a sense of knowingness within us. And it is the association with the body and its wisdom that differentiates between the wisdom of the brain. I think intuition comes from the body. Mm -hmm. To understand that we are this admantine or really incredibly being, this body. You know, we often think of the analogy is is the body is the same as a car. You know, it's like the, the driver of the car is the brain. You mm -hmm. know? And uh, it's true, as a car, you, you are driving the car, and the car is an animate object, and the, the driver is, you know, driving the car. Right. Whereas it is the body, it is this vehicle that is who we are rather than the brain. Mm. And I think it's hard for people to grasp that because no one ever told them that <laughs> mm -hmm. or they know that they know how they feel you know you don't feel up here right, you know oh my head. god i'm just so in love right <laughs> you know so you know it's funny how we just haven't been mm -hmm. been to trust that so it's not anything new or different in the sense that you just look at the world with your heart and with your body and the eyes become an extension of the heart and the body and you can see things that mm -hmm. you don't necessarily normally see in the form of feeling the form of feelings yes mm -hmm. yes exactly the same with feelings and the feelings also become uh literally words or basically understanding you know it's not just a feeling but the the out of the feeling comes a wisdom of words or poetry this is where poetry comes from. It doesn't come from up here. Right. So it's very it's very practical. Not mm -hmm. just, oh, I have a feeling. It's like the feelings would manifest into actually words, mm -hmm. just like the brain does in a certain way too. Yeah. So how do you relate to this um, <clears throat> notion that we are not our feelings? 
You know, you've heard it, I've heard it a lot in terms of not defining ourselves as the feelings that we have and just letting them pass through us. Mm -hmm. How do you relate to that? <clears throat> well, <clears throat> I think it's your interpretation of feelings. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, I mean, is, is feelings like emotional thoughts? I don't know, you know, how that would, <laughs> how, how it, it's, it's a sort of a complicated world in there in the sense of like, so many things we see as sensations or, you know, is it a sensation? Is it a feeling? Is it a thought pattern? Is it a thought pattern is, is related to a feeling? I don't know. Mm -hmm. So I don't really know how to answer that particularly. But I think one of the elements of yoga is to find within yourself the answer to that very question. Mm -hmm. You know, what is real in a sense? Is a feeling just a passing thing? Thoughts seem to be passing. I think that a little experiment you one can do sometime is close their eyes and see if they can find thoughts. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> it's that fascinating. <laughs> you look around, you close your eyes, and you look around, and you try and find the source of thoughts or thoughts themselves, and all of a sudden they don't exist. Mm. You know. Yeah. So it is interesting to be able to i think it's a good question because it's um it's hard to answer in a sense isn't it mm -hmm. <laughs> you know yes. what's real you know what is real are feelings real are sensations real and i think this journey of yoga brings us to a place of knowingness around that very answer i can say verbally in words the answer to the question but I think more if it is an experience, mm -hmm. <clears throat> differentiating between a real experience and just passing emotions or passing thoughts or something like this. Yeah. So what, what role did intuition play in you guiding your life since maybe that first teacher training you took uh, many years ago mm -hmm. and in uh, arriving to this place, deciding to open this center, and mm. before and after that? Well, I remember um, uh, I was just coming out of high school, um, and life was a certain dimension of things. Like, you know, we had uh, dances occasionally, we had ski club, we had you know, <laughs> everything, everything that we normally do in school. And um, it seemed uh, like all there was. Mm -hmm. It just, this is, this is what happens. I mean, you, I, I don't know how to describe it, but you're just experiencing things on a certain level. And we think that's all there is. And it's real. We sometimes feel really good when we're skiing or some kind of sports or a marathon or something. And we f have different feelings of enjoyment. Um, but then when I met my first teacher, Ananda Bhavanani, something happened where I felt all of a sudden something more and it was uplifting and it was kind of magical and it was something that felt more real. And that was what I got involved in yoga. I noticed there's something inexplicable and again, it's hard to put into words. We yeah. can talk about all we want, but you know, it's it's an experience. Yes. So that's what brought that about, and um, I had sort of around that time various inner experiences, also of a very um, near death type quality, where I saw some things internally and experienced some things internally that were mind-blowing you know a very entering a dimension of meditation things like this they only lasted a short period of time and it, they didn't stick with me it's <laughs> like as <was>, you know <laughs> mm -hmm. but i did have at that age i guess i was 17 i had some understanding of what they were talking about when they were talking about meditation and spiritual experiences like this so it felt like, well, this is obvious where I want to go. Mm -hmm. I 
I, um, you know, went to college, uh, just audited it, and I just checked it out for a few weeks until the uh, professor kicked me out for not paying. And, <laughs> you know, I was just, I just showed up, you know. Oh, as one does. <laughs> yeah. I even showed up for those little tutorials, you know. <laughs> I, I wanted to see what university was like. <laughs> I was also, you know, for a brief time looking into going, becoming into a um, a priest. What, what do you call it? Really? Uh, yes, uh, yeah, father, I guess. I don't know. I'm Jewish. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I can't what you call it. Um, <clears throat> well, that was just, uh, you know, an include. I mean, I, I found that Christianity and yoga at some point had some real melding together mm -hmm. or spirituality in general. I mean. Yeah, uh, and including Judaism, where I mm -hmm. studied Orthodox Judaism, and um, really? my girlfriend was almost Orthodox, but I was uh, not Jewish, so I was the <laughs> that didn't last long. But um, <laughs> I, you know, I saw friends. I was really impressed with the um, uh, what do you call it? The what's the uh, Jewish Bible? The Torah. The Torah or Quran? Yeah. Oh, the Torah. Yeah. Torah, yeah. What is another word for? Is another word? It's Torah? Bible. Yeah, Bible Quran, anyway. Quran is the Muslim yeah, Bible. Yeah, yeah. I got that straight. No, it's all, all, all the same somewhere in the universe. Exactly. Anyways, um, yeah, so that was just a time of trying to discover what it's going to be, and it felt like got, I got the most experience out of yoga. Mm. And then I went to India uh, on a, um, you know, I, I, I had heard about a spiritual teacher there. So mm -hmm. I went to India, I think it was about 18 or 19, and uh, spent a month and a half there. And I, with Kirpal Singh, and that was really, a, I guess, a life-changing experience to see somebody who is such a manifestation of internal wisdom and kindness and upliftment and how he mm -hmm. could just by in his radiation would be affected by that. And so that also uh, changed my life about what life is really about. Because, you know, we, we just, we go to school and we go to college and we get a job and we get in debt and we die. And, <laughs> uh, you know, as sometimes we think, well, what's more? Sometimes we have these yeah. Art our goals, like I'm going to be happy when I graduate, I'm going to be happy when I have kids. Right. I, you know, the whole future <laughs> yeah, I'll be happy when. I'll be happy when. And so anyway, it was just, it was just nice that we uh, ended up, that I ended up um, being in those um, circumstances. Mm -hmm. And in Vancouver at that time, there was a great influx of spiritual teachers, um, Tibetan, Chinese, um, you know, Hindu. Uh, and so it was a, a time of, um, you know, really discovery. And then I, I opened up a yoga studio, uh, I think it was 19. And um, did yoga, did uh, weekend retreats, did summer retreats, did uh, classes, and um, quite a, a large number of people would come to the class. And I had fifty people in my class, mm -hmm. um, and it did seem like a meaningful way of life. Mm -hmm. So that, uh, and and ever since then, I have um, lived in ashrams and meditation centers. Uh, pretty much the whole time, mm -hmm. including here. <laughs> yep, you created your own little. Yeah, I created my own. Not, not so little, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so um, the intuition, I guess, is just a. I mean, I wouldn't call it intuition necessarily. I would just call it um, something that really felt good. Mm. You know, I mean, it felt meaningful. It felt uplifting. Mm. It felt magical as compared to you know, something else. I mean, it was like life became like a color TV instead of black and white. You're in black and white TV. I can remember when that came out, you know, black <laughs> color and black and white. And um, actually, it was, uh, it was an incredible dimension, you know. And so it's hard to describe, but it is just um, you feel better. You know, I would mm -hmm. say, you know, even intuition is just a certain knowingness and a certain, there's a certain quality there. Like even when I was talking about observing somebody in a yoga pose and you can feel what's going on there rather than just mentally saying, oh, you should, you should do, you're not aligned properly. You know, it's more like, you know, well, it feels like there's something there that's 
not working for you. It feels to me like that's not working. Let's try mm -hmm. something else. Um, <clears throat> and uh, it feels better. Yeah. It feels better to them. It feels better. And even talking on that level feels better. I think poetry feels better than prose oftentimes. Mm. <laughs> you know? <laughs> so again, yeah. I don't know if you can call it intuition. I call it life. Yeah, following what feels good to you. <laughs> following what feels good. Yeah. And, and even refining that where you can see somebody or see something and realize that that's not an ideal way to go. Mm. You you do get, uh, like I don't like to use the word feeling necessarily because it could mean so many different things, but you just get a feeling <laughs> <laughs> that this yeah. isn't right and trusting that feeling like a, yeah. you know. Kind of a sense in a the sense. body. Yeah. A sense is yeah. the same thing. It's like you can right. tell when your child is lying to you, you know. You <laughs> yes. can tell when people are not being straight with you no right. matter how you can be convinced in your head. Mm. But there's something else, a certain knowingness yeah. can um, yeah, take over. Beautiful. That. And you mentioned something very interesting there about your teacher, Kirpal Singh, mm. that it was just his being that was affecting uh, <clears throat> you personally, and I, I'm sure the rest of his students. Mm. And you spoke about that in the book as well, that mm. as a yoga teacher, what we really are uh, transmuting to the people in the room mm. is the quality of energy that we have and not necessarily how to do a pose in a, right. a certain way or another. Yeah. That is the foundation of yoga. Mm. Um, <clears throat> there was a 90-year-old um, yogi and uh, he hadn't eaten in three years. He became a breatharian. He was so... Um, really so magical. It was really a beautiful person. And, you know, there, there, there was, and I like this about a lot of the teachers, is, is there's no teaching. Mm -hmm. You just sat near him mm. and, you, and, and, you, and you become uplifted. It's palpable, you know, you have an yeah. experience. Their radiant body, their, their EMF field, you might say, on a real mundane level. There, but <laughs> there was something there where you just felt beautiful just being around. Mm -hmm. And there was nothing else needed to be done mm -hmm. just be around them and yeah. there's certainly lifestyle and practices to do but that was basically it yeah <laughs> is there a way that you kind of transfer that to the students that come through here in terms of <laughs> how you would love for them to be a teacher i think it's the foundation of the entire yandara teacher training mm -hmm. is to get people to feel instead of think from mm -hmm. i say from thinking to, f to feeling from fear to love from head to heart is mm -hmm. the journey and different ways to get there i mean just simply exercising and moving your body moves your attention to your body and to recognize that the body is the source of it you know i always think of, we always think of the head you know, the head's, you know it's the whole body is um has wisdom so fingertips have wisdom Mm -hmm. more than we can imagine what do you mean well i mean there's you know like we can we we can every anyway it's just like there's there's admentine you know like you're an ad, I don't know, admentine or is a um crystal or something like crystal clear or something mm -hmm. that we can listen to music through our hands we can you know feel things through every, every part of our body you know we can experience life in a more dimensional way in terms of just I don't know it's you know, relaxing <laughs> out there getting a bit crazy but uh, I just think it's beautiful and I, I mean you, like you're trying to um, I think something that's hard to talk about people because love means so many different things so many different people right. sometimes it's like almost a four-letter word <laughs> you know, in terms of, um, but how do you feel when you're feeling you're in love? Mm -hmm. You know, it's hard I mean, to put into words. You're right. It's and it's and, it, and it's a whole body experience. Right. It's not just in our heads or something. We, you know, it, it's so amazing that you know the story is is that this woman, uh, you know, is at work and then she goes on a date and she falls in love and 
opens and loves or rises in love, whatever terminology going to be. Mm-hmm. And then she comes to work the next day. And that effect of that date and her openness to whoever we're going to call that, you know, something that happens to people when the, the you know, the alchemy is right between people, mm-hmm. it's palpable. Right. Uh, you can feel it the next day. I mean, you look at their body, you can see it's radiant. I mean, everything's like that. And so that's... Um, <laughs> That's the whole body experience. That is, mm-hmm. you know, I think that really quantifies that, is that um, you feel it. Mm-hmm. So what have been some practices that you've used over the years to go from the mind, the head, to the body, to the sensing? Well, one thing is just very practical. It's just put your attention in your body. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, we put all our attention up here. Right. I mean, one simple thing is to just, if, if, it's, if it's available to you, to feel the sensations in your chest. We, we feel things in different chakra centers. Mm-hmm. But the heart appears to be the strongest chakra in my mind in terms of guiding us, in terms of it being, this is where we feel love, this is where we feel that magical upliftment. And by actually just simply putting our attention there, it's, it's ridiculously simple. Yeah. <laughs> That's one thing that can really work for people. And mm-hmm. once, once you have become, uh, some people can't even feel their body the sensations in their body. So, you know, it's, well, you've got to get people to feel their body. That's one of the things that yoga does, gets us into our bodies. Some people mm-hmm. are so um, analgesic or so dissociated by being on computers all day long, they can't even have a sensation in their body. They're so it's another world, mm-hmm. you know, a sort of dream world. I think in a way there, we are kind of blocking the sensations because there are feelings that we like and feelings that we really don't like and then right. in order to avoid the ones we don't like we kind of block the whole sensation <laughs> right. and then we miss both parts yes yeah that's a good point <laughs> <laughs> i mean there's so much to go into around that yeah. uh, but also just being around people of good energy is also a very good practice i mean satsang of of that that's the path that i have been on most of my life is following or being around people who are uplifting call it these gurus who you know were just extraordinary Mm -hmm. and in their association they're yeah you pick up on that that's because you got to find a a good guru (laughs) or a good beautiful person to be associated with and that's um sometimes difficult to find Mm -hmm. but i i don't think it's dependent on the outside it's just on someone running around, I, I like that. It's helpful to have inspiration and to have that effect. But um, again, just feeling your body, yeah. just feeling your heart, and you can just melt into that. You can just become the body, become the heart, and something overtakes you. Mm-hmm. And what does it mean for you to move in life? Maybe this is similar to the question I had on, about intuition, but in, to move through life from a heart space. Mm-hmm. Well, <clears throat> you start to make decisions on feelings. Mm-hmm. You start to, uh, I, I, I tell people so little guidance, practical guidance is, say you're making a decision about a partner, okay? And you're not sure, you know, about them. I would say, here's the thing, separate for two or three days, okay, so otherwise you're not too mixed up with Mm -hmm. them energetically. Then go to a restaurant or something and sit down and make sure you can see the door, get there early. (laughs) Sounds crazy. (laughs) Then uh, when the person walks through the door, whatever circumstance would be, so you can be about 15, 20 feet away, trust the feeling you get from them. Mm. Once they start talking, it's, it's confusing. But I, I think that love at first sight thing, although it's kind of, uh, you know, sort of a trite kind of a comment, is um, there is something to that. If you are in your body and you're observing, and, you know, you're sensitive, you're present, then you can pick up on things. 
And that is true of where you're going to live, what mm -hmm. job you're going to choose. Uh, things like that can be very practical. Mm -hmm. You know, you make your decisions based on, you know, exactly experiencing these things. Mm -hmm. Hey, I'm quickly interrupting the episode to extend an invitation. If you are interested in deepening into any of the subjects we talk about on the podcast, we offer many different experiences on our beautiful grounds here in Baja, Mexico. From nine-day modules such as sound healing and yoga nidra, to breath and meditation, as well as two or 300-hour yoga teacher trainings, and many different shorter retreats. Check out our website, yandara.com, to see all the information about the different experiences. Let's get back to the episode. You brought a very interesting point, I think, because it can be very confusing. We have, um, it can be confusing to really notice if what we're feeling is from the ego and what we think we should be doing mm -hmm. rather mm -hmm. than actually what the body is telling us as the guidance from within. Yeah. And you, you because you kind of said that, that once the person starts talking, then I think that's what you meant, that it becomes confusing where the information is coming from, the ego or the heart. <laughs> right. And before they start talking, would you say that's kind of like the the first reaction is kind of the intuition? Yes. Uh, but also, I mean, I mean, I think it's, a, it's an interesting journey because, like, for instance, you can see somebody and they can remind you of your father who beat you when you were three and had, mm. you know, a black hair and wore a leather jacket. And if somebody comes in with a leather jacket and has dark hair, mm -hmm. that's not intuition. <laughs> that's a trigger <laughs> of, a, of, a, of a past, uh, you know, trauma, you yeah. know, that is basically from the amygdala kind of mm -hmm. thing that the amygdala is, is, pretend, is uh, guiding us towards anything that <laughs> might be dangerous yeah. so it, it is th there's no question that it is um um there's nothing simple about it but this is why we do practice all the limbs of yoga i mean this is what we do this we just can't start somebody come off the street and it's been business person and all day long work on a computer and say oh here's the answer <laughs> <laughs> yeah you know no it, it i think it takes time and practice to um, find the right environment to allow that to occur. I mean, this is Yandara here. It's nature. It's one of the fundamental elements. And nature is a is a is essential ingredient, I believe, in doing just that. Yeah. You know. Um, so there's many different um, parts to that. And actually, at Yandara here, we try to introduce maybe about eight or nine different solid practices that help us to do exactly help exactly what we're saying is that you are be able to guide your life into those things that work the situations that work the jobs that work the people that work and to um use that to uh, move through life yes so letting the guidance of your life, the different choices, because what you mentioned are very critical choices, right? The choice of what we choose as a profession, what we choose, who we choose as a partner, where we choose to live. These are very big, uh, big decisions with very real consequences on how our life looks like. So really letting the guidance come from within and, and, I guess that kind of relates to me to our dharma, right? Our our path mm -hmm. in this world and living with purpose. So, how have you, do you feel like you know what your purpose is in life? Well, <clears throat> um, generally, it feels like well because I had that near death experience. And it uh, created in me an understanding of what's possible for a human being. Mm. And so there's an overall understanding that there are things that we can do to bring ourselves to that uplifted state. And even more so, just being around the purpose of when being around people, uh, these, gu these guys, these gurus, and many different 
been around maybe, I would say, eight or ten really enlightened beings uh, mm -hmm. to some greater or lesser degree, but really pure loving beings, not ego maniac gurus that have substance of, of humility and substance and things. And so to do things that would bring myself into that state, you know, would be some kind of purpose. Mm -hmm. And is that, do you see that as your personal purpose or also in how you relate to the world? Well, both. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think everything we do here is ende endeavoring to bring out those qualities in each of us. Mm -hmm. And so that um, we can, I mean, there is there's an element of service around this in the sense that um, the world's not doing so good. You know, mm -hmm. I mean, you hear about suicide rate from going up from young children, you know, young teenagers, and this this terrible yeah. thing. And so there is a sense of finding ways to bring about some sort of, at least some sort of, at least not suicidal, mm -hmm. <laughs> not depressed, not miserable, to have to have trained people to go out and teach yoga. And I think yoga is on different levels. I mean, it means a lot of different things, different people. But it's, it's, it's highest level, it can be really beautiful to start people on a journey towards finding fulfillment or at least not being depressed. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What is something that you've changed your mind about in terms of your perception of spirituality and <clears throat> yoga? Well... I, I'm I'm really a guru worshiper, okay? Mm -hmm. But I I guess what's changed because the the main teachers that I have had died and there didn't seem to be anyone else around, that I said, Well, I have to probably do some things more on my own, which I probably should have always. I think it's really, really good to appreciate and hang out with really spiritual people, but sometimes to give up everything uh, I, I mean, in some ways, you want to give up everything. I'm just saying, there's a, it's very hard to, to explain this, but you don't want to give up your own practice and mm -hmm. just be a zombie for the Lord or something. You know, you, you want to, yeah. you, you want to um, take responsibility for who you are also. I think two of them can relate totally in terms of being with somebody like that and also just not getting lost in you know oh my god you know. <laughs> yeah. um, but, uh, you know doing practice as well as just because there's a whole side of bhakti yoga that is pure devotion just you know it's just pure devotion to the guru mm -hmm. and i think it, it is substantial in terms of the um the the practice uh it's to me, when you think of Paramahansa Yogananda, what a beautiful saint he was, and you look at his life, and I think it was his basic love affair with Sri Yukteswar, uh, his guru. I mean, a beautiful patern pat paternal, paternal, <laughs> <laughs> a beautiful um, uh, relationship of devotion and caring on both sides that opens our hearts. Mm -hmm. I, I kind of, you know, I mean. I kind of feel like there's this, the idea of spirituality comes through the alchemy of loving or caring for another human being. Um, oftentimes we see it as a significant partner or something like this, but actually a deep caring for another human being is also a kind of guru worship in a certain wild way, mm -hmm. you know, where, you know, you just feel you, you, you are so caring about the other person that you're not worried about your personal pathology you're not trying to enhance your personal pathology i always say a thing i'm not trying to make craig feel better i'm trying to let go of craig mm -hmm. and sometimes that comes about of just caring for somebody being in love with somebody mm -hmm. so you know it's like classic thing to say but god is love and the way back to god is through love and even though it's a funny word, which confuses us, perhaps there's something there, but it is talking about another.
you right. know, caring for the other. Yeah. Not slavery or servitude, but just out of abundance of heart. And that is a service, is a purifying of the heart, purifying of the soul is a foundational piece of the mystic path mm-hmm. and leading to, you know, in, you know, I don't know, yeah. to go into. Yeah, I think there's, um, it, it's a lot about letting go of my own sense of self and seeing myself as separate than somebody else mm-hmm. and, and changing mm-hmm. into this perspective of we, we're all in this together in a way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it's, I think it's there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the thing is you can't, I think you have to be discriminating about who you, you open up to though. I think it, it we, we do have to exercise some discrimination. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can, I'm, I'm feeling you can't just, I mean, if you can, if you're mother Teresa or some saint or something, love everybody, but I think you have to be, find i think one of the key things is you have to find somebody who is not going to bring you down Mm. if they're they're on drugs or alcohol or have some history of violence or psychotic or something and i mean it's extreme but you don't want to open up to that Mm -hmm. i mean i know it's weird to say that Mm. but i think you'd be you need to be so that when you open up that you're not brought down yeah and initially most of us are not strong enough. We're, we're trying to affect other people by love, and they end up affecting us by anger and hostility, and mm-hmm. you know what they're on. So yeah, yeah it's sort of like, yeah, that didn't work. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think it's it's a it's a socially politically cor- incorrect way of seeing things, but I think it's reality. You mm-hmm. have to be somewhat discriminating about who you open up to. Yes. Um, I would love to go into that a little bit. I do want to be uh, conscious of the words that I use because I think that it's um, there's a fine line here because there are yeah there are people who are in our life and um, they just are in our life. There is not we we don't necessarily want to change that, but they might be going through a hard time. Um, they might be going through like a dark night of the soul, something sure. that's temporary, or it might be something that is more long lasting. And yeah. um, where do you see the role in being compassionate towards this person and doing something kind of selflessly just <clears throat> because you know that it's going to help them rather than protecting ourselves? Yeah. I think that this well all comes back to the original question about the intuition. Mm-hmm. You can feel, you you can sense when you're wasting your time. I mean, not and not you know it's not the terrible thing to say, but you can see that somebody. I mean, to use an extreme example, if you see somebody who's drunk and they're explosively angry and they're completely out of it and you think you're going to do something to help them out that's delusional in Mm. that particular moment yeah and and yet you're aware that just because somebody's going through a difficult time emotionally or something it doesn't mean you can't be open to them Mm -hmm. but you know i i don't know the exact medical terminology for this but you know when you have these different phases of mental um, illness you know and there is i can't remember the expression borderline personality disorders which i call sort of a difficult thing to get out of whereas the behavioral disorder where i'm I'm work with somebody you know because it's just a behavioral disorder those are some terminologies i'm not a psychiatrist, a psychologist, is something I know about in, innately is mm-hmm. that some people just have a little too much going on. There's nervous system damage. There's things that have happened to them that it's going to be very difficult for them to get through. Yeah. So I don't know why we're going off on this tangent too much, <laughs> but it is important mm-hmm. that you just get a feeling where that person is. It's fascinating because they could be you know, upset or angry for a period of time. You say, oh, no, this person's bad vibes. Mm-hmm. Well, no, they're just going through something. Yeah. And other people have just a, a really difficult energy field that's probably not going to be too healthy to be around. Mm-hmm. So using our intuition in terms Again. of, yeah. Yeah. And noticing where can we help and where can't we. Yes. Or yes. where we can't. <clears throat> yeah. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Um I would love to talk also about um, 
again, our role in society and in our community. And you spoke in the book about kind of getting feedback from you. You talked about it in the context of uh, training and your fellow students. But I think we can also think about it in terms of just getting feedback from our surroundings and using that um, to build awareness And you also spoke about this kind of fear that we have, fear of greatness and fear of weakness in terms of um, we don't really allow ourselves to say, yeah, I'm actually good at that or I'm not so good at that and uh, the fear that we have around that. So right. could you talk about that, please? Um, well, I think that Uh, for some reason or another, as society is, our education system and social conditioning and advertising have caused us to lose a sense of who we really are. And uh, <clears throat> so it, it's really difficult because the guidelines of our lives, what we've been observing all day long in terms of TV shows and advertisements and things like this have influenced in such a way we don't even know who we are. Mm -hmm. and the um that which we are um told is important perhaps isn't so much mm -hmm. um <clears throat> so and the the idea is indigenous people like pray without being influenced by a lot would have a natural <clears throat> sense like in, in teenagers and they're growing up they have a sense of like self-worth right <clears throat> children and, What? Children have that yeah. a lot, yeah. Yeah, you know, and it's like, wow, I'm great. And then be yeah. encouraged to say, yes, I have these great qualities. Yeah. And yet somehow we're told, well, no, you, you should suppress that. You should, you yeah, know. you're yeah. full of yourself. Yeah, it's full of yourself. Yeah. And it, it's, it's, it is a confusing dimension of things. I mean, mm -hmm. you're pompous and egotistical. But there is this balance of saying, yeah, I'm really powerful and I really have beautiful things to share. Mm -hmm. Without that, you know, like building yourself up because you have a little self-worth by telling people how great you are. It's just yeah. a matter of saying, hey, you know, I, I understand what I've got. Yeah. And uh, uh, and so the idea is people think you're pompous if you ever say I'm really good at something and you're mm -hmm. afraid they're going to judge you and dismiss you because you've said how great you are when actually it should just say, yeah, that's great. This is what they're good at. Yeah. <laughs> But on the other hand, the same thing as we when we are afraid to show our weaknesses a lot that we are people will judge us people will think oh my god you know what a loser that guy is i'm not going to be around him mm -hmm. you know and instead of and just saying you know yeah i, I have my strengths and challenges i have uh, and this is who i am mm -hmm. rather than a statement you know rather than just afraid of either one of those um stating our challenges or weaknesses actually exposes us or we can relate to humanness right so people on both sides say wow he's a human being with things and he also has these other great qualities this is who he is mm -hmm. instead of this fear body of in the middle yeah <laughs> worried about going either side of everything <laughs> yeah i saw it today somewhere about that we kind of are in a place where we feel like we need to heal our humanity you know like we're running away from being human which means that we have things that we're good at and things that we're not so good at right. and i think there's also this um, kind of notion that we're always trying to make ourselves better which is a good thing in my opinion mm -hmm. but i think there's also a very fine line there in terms of where does um, acceptance of who we are mm -hmm. come in and mm -hmm. where where does it become you know like i'm always trying to better myself to mm -hmm. the term to the place that um, i'm already losing that i'm good mm -hmm. just the yeah. way i am yeah that's good enough yes yeah well yes um, but you know to me that moves into the i mean the solution i think is that's a psychological concept within ourselves and um that is like psychotherapy or personal psychotherapy and stuff like this which definitely you know yoga merges into actually physical yoga practice and meditation is an answer to that 
mm-hmm. to find out we are we don't base our lives on emotional stability. <laughs> mm-hmm. We don't necessarily base our lives on the swing of the swing of emotions. <laughs> uh-huh. That you think, oh, good, bad. You know, it's more like there's another place that we can be where um, we don't worry about either of those things. That we're not affected by that. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not like a sort of a fear-based solution. It's just sort of a knowingness that allows yeah. us to um, be in balance. Mm-hmm. So again, coming back to the sensations of actually who we are, not mm-hmm. our mind and mm-hmm. just our being. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. You, know, you, you know, psychotherapy is think, uh, really a lot involved in the mind. <clears throat> and mm-hmm. it's certainly super valuable, you know. But at some point, uh, I, I I just remember Soblowski's book, Why Zebras Don't Get Ulcers, the book textbook for psychologists, and he's he was basically saying, hey, med- exercise and meditation mm. is a solution, yeah. not necessarily going to therapy the <laughs> rest of your life. Yeah, <laughs> beautiful. Mm. What's your favorite and, in your opinion, most important part of the teacher training here? Um. Well, the most valuable part is the, I, I think, the more like the group therapy sessions, the SATSA mm-hmm, sessions, mm-hmm. where people get a chance to find out who they are and vocalize it. It, it is definitely emerging on sort of psychotherapy, mm-hmm. group therapy. <laughs> Could you explain a little bit how that process looks like? Uh, well, I mean, it is the uh, one of the yamas, second yamas is... Um, uh, truthfulness mm-hmm. and it's a foundation piece of the yogic path what is truthfulness is not is it just not telling lies right. no it's actually i think translates into a certain raja yoga or a knowingness i mean who we really are the truth mm-hmm. of who we are mm-hmm. and getting rid of those veils the koshas or something the veils and really saying this is who i am you know and exploring this is who i am from a verbal point of view, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, yeah. so, you don't. so just to uh, explain to somebody who doesn't really know how it looks, we sit in a circle, the whole group, after building trust with each other and with the <clears> teacher, <throat> and each person kind of shares in a very truthful way what they're going through, what they're experiencing, yeah. mm-hmm. and who they are. And, who they are. Yeah. and it's not about kind of giving advice or helping mm-hmm. them out <clears throat> because nobody's really trained. It's just for providing this safe or other than the leader. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just about providing this mm-hmm. safe space that we're able to vocalize this mm-hmm. truth. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, well, and just to clarify, yes, yes. It, and it's not regressive therapy. Mm-hmm. It's not any particular modality. It's just basically being free to say what's going on with you. Which we don't have in a lot of our and We don't have like, in, a, in a sort of environment. But yeah. also just to clarify that I am actually highly trained. Yes, yes, yes. And, no, it's important <laughs> to say course. this yes, because yes. It, it, mm-hmm. we're, we're virgin, because I don't suggest people do this. Mm. I believe you do need, I mean, uh, uh, I, I wouldn't suggest people who are doing yoga trainings or do, working with people go into this because you are becoming a psychotherapist. You are becoming a therapist and you are going to open up things. And you need to be aware particularly of having the experience of no knowing when someone has a really serious problem mm-hmm. and how to deal with that. Most of the time it's just fine. So I think a lot of the training has to do with being able to sort of energetically diagnose people and see if they are going to, you know, just come on, come here and gone off their medication and are not able to handle any kind of introspection Mm -hmm. of any kind. So I think just to clarify, I have been trained a great deal on how to work with people on that level, although we don't go there, but it can we do have to have an understanding what to do mm-hmm. in those cases yeah. when someone is having a serious condition. Mm-hmm. So how do you see us taking that into our day-to-day life after a training? Well, 
what you do is you endeavor to find somebody who you can uh, trust to talk to. Mm -hmm. I mean, that is, and I think it's important to be able to find people or a person to that you don't have to keep your fear body, you don't have to keep your personality, your tough girl, or tough guy. Yeah, the mask that we the mask that we wear. Yeah, you know the mask. Mm -hmm. Beautiful. What are you curious about right now? Um, well, I'm curious how the world is going to unfold, you know? Like, I'm curious as to, like, I, I believe that when you reach a certain place of coherence or entombment, things happen to you, you know, things fall into place uh, in a really positive way. Not Murphy's Law. Mm -hmm. Murphy's law in reverse. Whatever <laughs> could go right will go right, right because you're in a state of coherence. Mm -hmm. And to discover, I might you know, just wondering where some of this is heading. Mm. You know whether what you know what the world is going to be happening. What what Yandara will be happening. What we'll be doing. Mm -hmm. You know, and uh, based on you know a real understanding, there's some guidance. Mm -hmm. You know not by some being, but by a certain energy. And so mm -hmm. it'd be inter it's interesting to see how, um, how to be in tune with how that unfoldment is going to take place. What gives you hope? Um, what gives me hope is um, some synchronistic things that happen to me which go beyond the possibilities of you know, not just randomness, but I, I see things happening mm. that are little experiences that occur that seem very synchronistic. Mm. There's obviously some power out there that's guiding something. Yeah, <laughs> that's so true. That gives me hope as well. Yeah, yeah. Mm. yeah that's, so, that's what I feel. Beautiful. Well... This has been very lovely for me. Thank you so much for doing this, Craig. <laughs> okay. <laughs> now, after this time to nurture your mind and your spirit, we invite you to take a moment to consider others. A kind wish might come to mind. Know that what we learn becomes more valuable when we apply it and share it with others. So share this episode on Instagram stories, tag Yandara and I, or share with a loved one so that more people can benefit from it. Our hope is that the search will lead you home to who you already are, to what was always there. We'll be back next week with more inspiration, honest conversation, and insight into the energetic world around us. Thank you for listening and watching.